Man, I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions, it's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing, so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves and to help our companies take on different strategies, pick the right technology, pick the right partners. And of course, you got to have great tasting food. You got to have great tasting beverages, packaged goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're going to lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge. Go back, pick out some brands and CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're going to find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week. But I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different, better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week Stay tuned for this week's episode. I feel like when I meet people who are living their passion and like their life is connected to their business, it seems like the product is all about like their purpose and finding products with purpose. It's it's exciting to find brands and people that are living that and today that is what I have for everyone. I'm so, um, you can tell I'm kind of excited already to start talking to Sarah Delaney. She's the founder and CEO of of Cirilla, um, a beverage, a sparkling beverage. Um, a little bit of her background, I kind of took notice of her. Um, I do tend to tech, I check out TED. I like to check out TED conferences and speakers to see what the, you know what the ideas are out there. And she did appear um, for a, a local branch within TED. I'm not going to get into the details here, but it's uh, kind of a heart-wrenching, you know, experience that uh, that that she was going through, and uh, as she even puts it, kind of on on the edge of death, even, and began her healing journey when she discovered how many of the women in Rwanda had survived the genocide in 1994, and that kind of struck me. And then come to find out, she's also the founding director of Africa Healing Exchange. And when I looked into her current business, she's the founder and CEO of Cirilla Sparkling. She's on a mission to connect 
uh, regenerative farming in Rwanda to support the community and give us a better beverage. Wow, Sarah, there's just so much for here for us to unpack. How are we going to do this in 30 minutes? Welcome to the welcome in. <laughs> Hi, Tony. Thank you. That was a really, really great recap and introduction. You did that well. I'm going to have to use that um, next time I'm pitching. <laughs> Royalties for free. I, you know, thank you for taking time out. And I say we're both enjoying one of your, uh, one of your sparkling beverages. Which flavor are you drinking? Right now, it's the hibiscus green tea, and I also have the um, Tulsi lime infusion. Nice. Um, I drink the Tulsi in the evening. It definitely will either knock you out or just calm you down depending on your temperament. But for me, it, uh, it really makes me nice and sleepy at the end of the day because there is some chamomile in that as well. Uh-oh. I know. Probably shouldn't I know. Ju- oh. My podcast is over. Tony's falling asleep now. Right. <laughs> I'm out. Um, I have the ribose vanilla in front of me, which is one of my new favorites after my caffeine cutoff during the day, which is usually about 12 o'clock. So I, I I had that one yesterday. That has definitely got a stronger tea flavor for sure. That one really comes through. I just love how light and fresh these are. I was mm-hmm. looking at the calorie counts. You know, some are zero, some are five, some are mm-hmm. like 30, 35. You've really done a lot with um, you know, these natural botanicals. But before we get into the product, because I obviously I, I'm I really want to, you know, dive into that. I just want to understand a little bit more just Tell us this origin story. It's really fascinating. Kind of give us an introduction, you know, into the brand. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad we found each other and connected. And your podcast is great. I've I've listened to a number of episodes. Um, So backing up to, I guess, uh, living in Rwanda. Well, prior to that, in 2007, I was working on the third-party certification side here in the state. So I was working with fair trade organizations that we're creating a, a certification for products, but also for farmers um, to be verified that they were meeting certain criteria. And um, prior to that, I was um, really uh, studying like some of the, the history of Rwanda and just really um, fascinated with the country's history, but also how um, they overcame the genocide of 1994. I had watched some documentaries, um, which just really tugged at my heartstrings. And I guess on a more personal level, um, in college, I had um, survived an attack and rape, and um, I was really struggling with post-traumatic stress-related issues and really turning to alcohol, um, you know, dealing with substance abuse issues um, and just not finding a whole lot of meaning in my life. I was on a corporate track and I was doing really well um, on the surface career-wise and did well in college and all that. Um, But I just wasn't finding a sense of meaning in my life and I knew there was something different that I should be doing. Um, But I, you know, chose to um, get sober and, and quit drinking as like my number one step towards health, uh, mental health and physical health and wellness. And that led me to Rwanda. And I was lucky enough to get a job there. Um, some folks reached out to me 
and uh, we just uh, connected um, remotely and I was hired pretty quickly um, to run this business in Rwanda and I had about 30 days to get from the U.S. to Rwanda. And that I, is so not normal. I know. It was, I not, mean, it was not normal at all. <laughs> yeah. But I think what really strikes me there, though, is that you recognize that you were just self-medicating, yeah. you know, and you and that's um, that doesn't really bring about any kind of real regenerative or kind of healing. Um, but most people, when they do pull themselves out of whatever darkness that they're in, they don't look to go to another country. They don't look to do this. So you, well, I have that, wanted, that's why I wanted to talk yeah. to you because you, you're, you lived it. Yeah. I had wanted to go. I mean, I had always loved to travel. And in high school, I had an older cousin who had, he was working at a, as a, a bird ornithologist in Kenya. And he came back with this incredible slideshow of oh. all these incredible birds in East Africa he'd been working with. And so there were like people close to me that actually had, been to that part of the world. And so I knew that I could do it. Um, I don't know why it was just something deep within me that was like really, really drawn to East Africa. Um, and I can't really explain it, but I'm sure other people have like had similar experiences where you arrive somewhere and you just feel like you've been there before or you're at home. And that's how I felt when I first got to Rwanda. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a God thing. And, um, the folks who had hired me, they were, it was two American, uh, it was an American couple and they had lived in Rwanda for years and um, they were coming back to the States to have a baby and they needed someone to basically run their business and live in their home for a year while they were gone. So it was, Oh my God, the ultimate the Airbnb. Ultimate, it was like the most beautiful home I've ever lived in. I mean, we had a, a driver, um, a gardener. If we had needed a nanny at the time, we would have had that a cook. I mean, everything was taken care of. It was a really seamless entry. Um, we were like really warmly welcomed and spent almost a year there and, um, really working in the restaurant and hospitality industry, which is to me extremely tough. Like, um, it just, it's the hardest business in the world for anybody. I recommend so put, put your kids into it. Put your I, – I grew up in it. My daughter has started in there. That's where you just learn life. Mm-hmm. Hard work and people and you're face to face with people you can't hide. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's incredibly stressful. I mean, you really, I think folks really have to have like incredibly good um, self-care and just like boundaries, you know, to do well in that environment, in that industry, like everything. Um, it was tough though. And, uh, but I enjoyed it and I, I fell in love with Rwanda and I just, um, really wanted to be sure that I had a reason to continue going back after I got back to the U.S. Um, and that's, you know, before I left, I made a commitment to my friends there that we would start an organization together to help with the trauma healing efforts that were still so needed. Um, there was just so much untreated trauma and I myself had gone through that. So, you know, not, not the same thing, but I had the resources here in the U.S. to help me in my recovery and, you know, the therapy that I needed. Um, we have lots of government programs here in the U.S. that didn't exist there. Um, right. You know, funding here, access to resources. And so I just made it my mission to be of service. 
Well, before we get into some of the aspects of regenerative farming, which you were exposed to or you realized needed to happen there, I noticed something. Um, you kind of positioned your uh, your brand as non-alcoholic, but it's tea. I don't know. <laughs> Well, tell me about that. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this um, driving back to my desk today before talking with you. It's something that people ask me all the time. And I don't know if I would have done it differently. But if you look at the, you know, zero proof beverages out there, or the NA spirits, there's, there's this whole new category that's um, coming that, you know, to be relatively common, like it's, it's, it's emerging very, very quickly. Um, and if you look at the label and you look at the ingredients, they're really botanicals and teas. Um, you know, there's some herbs and spices. There's this category that's also, um, like alcohol-free spirits where the, the the ethanol has actually been extracted from the beverage and it's, you know, made to taste like, uh, let's say gin or whiskey. Um, that's a little different, but there's, there's, it's really a packaging decision. It's a packaging and placement decision. I could take my Tulsi lime chamomile and put it in a 750 milliliter glass bottle and call it a, a a craft NA cocktail and position right. it, you know, position it in that, that section of the store. Um, or I could put it in the current can it's in and position it next to a ready to drink tea or, you know, a natural energy drink. It's, it's really, really interesting. It's kind of a, it's more of a marketing decision than a, um, than a formulation decision, I would say. Right, but as you were, but you were as you were going through that, though, you're talking about the ingredients and what's there and what's not there. And since there seems to be maybe a little bit of crossover, yeah, I could see the, you know, the marketing angle. And you're right, the NA space is is taking off. And um, I definitely am looking forward to getting into some of your key learnings because you have been bringing this beverage to life, and I I do want to understand more about that. Um, but tell us more about the. Um, regenerative farming because that's something that you're certainly part of you've got a farm out there where you're you know bringing your teas and some of your botanicals to the US you're supporting the local farmers talk to us about that and uh, how that's impacted your your brand and maybe uh, consumer awareness yeah so Cirilla, the the idea behind Cirilla and the product that you see right now now really started more with um, the purpose like the mission that I was on and so kind of tying your 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 question in with, with what we were talking about before too, is like the idea was how can we create a product that's making an impact and that's really helping folks in Rwanda who helped me so much, how can we help them move out of poverty because they already were such gifted and natural farmers. They were using techniques that were really good for the earth and the planet. They were doing things that you know, now in the U.S., we're, we're using terms like regenerative agriculture that's like super trendy and important. And there's certifications to um, recognize that effort. But this is like an ancient tradition. This is this is the way that the women that I worked with in Rwanda have always been doing it. They rotate their crops. They use cover crops. They, you know, use things that are adding nutrients to the soil. They're not using chemical fertilizers. And a lot of that is just out of necessity. Like they don't really 
that's that's how they've learned to do it, and they don't necessarily have the option to put um, chemical fertilizers on their farms, although that's changing too. So we have to be careful. Um, but I was really, you know, having grown up on a, Verm- I, I grew up in Vermont on a farm as well, and we use the same, you know, my family uses the same methods, and I never knew the term regenerative farming. It was just the way that we did it. It's just farming. It's just farming. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny you say that because we've gotten so deep into the commercial farming yeah. and the monocropping. Exactly. It's just, it's actually common sense farming. It, exactly. Um, exactly. I mean, it's almost likened to the way that food has become so processed. And now we talk about whole foods or, you know, foods in their natural form or unprocessed because almost everything we consume is processed now. Um, but if we can just go back in time or go back to maybe less develop, you know, we talk about the importance of development and developing nations, but there's so much we can learn from quote unquote undeveloped or underdeveloped nations and cultures um, because there's there are these traditions and wisdom that I'm concerned we're going to lose, whether it's our global partners or from farmers here in the U.S. who are um, turning to, you know, modern farming techniques. So I think it is really important that we hold on to some of those traditions. I think it's it's a way that we could potentially save the planet. Um, there's lots of ways we can reduce our impact on climate, um, you know, minimize our, our, our impact on climate change and things like that. But, but I think one of, one of the greatest, uh, possibilities is, is by using regenerative farm and feeding nutrients back into the soil. There's also plants we can grow, which, um, sequester carbon in the air and the tea plant, the Camellia sinensis tea plant is one of those. Wait, say the name of that tea plant again? It's Camellia sinensis. So that's the name of the traditional tea plant, which grows uh, what we consume as black tea, green tea, white tea, and we have a silver needle tea. So those are the caffeinated teas. We're both now in North Carolina. Is that a, uh, is that a tea that can grow in this, in this uh, climate or is it? In my opinion, no. It's, it's being tried. It's not to say like, People have some tea bushes maybe in their backyard, and there is um, there is a, t- a tea farm in, um, I believe it's Charleston, South Carolina. There's a couple of folks trying to do it. Um, the quality is much different. The flavor is much different. It's The U.S. is not an ideal climate for growing tea. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's great that you're able now to tie into the communities. And we see this in coffee as well. Um, it's it's great to have a partnership with the local growers. Now, when it comes to um, kind of processing the tea, is that something you do there or is that is that part of your uh, supply chain? You bring it back here? and We do it there. I, I try to do as much as I can there, um, but we do the manufacturing of the liquid here in the U.S. and the canning here. Um, you know, one day we will we will manufacture a, a liquid beverage in East Africa as well. Um, so that'll happen in the next couple of years. Um, most of the the Camellia sinensis tea is pro- processed in the northern province. The factories. And then uh, we have a small garden, a tea farm in the Western province where we're growing our botanicals. So those are separate regions. 
Um, and the farm that, that I'm invested in in the Western province, we're growing Tulsi, holy basil, lemongrass, oat straw, hibiscus, mint, rosemary, and some other things. And the 52 women that I've partnered with on that project are actually making their own herbal tea blend that they package and sell under the name of um, Ubuzima Healing Garden Tea. And so that's a locally branded product, which is hopefully over time really going to make a huge impact on their community and their village and the surrounding 11 villages and bring more cash into uh, their families so they can have year-round income. Well, and I think what's interesting too is you build your brand here. You're using obviously what's being grown there. They're using it as well. Mm -hmm. I imagine there's going to be a, a sharing of knowledge of what you're learning, of course, if they want to expand and, you know, maybe push into other markets themselves, they can, they can really, you know, benefit from what you're doing here in the U.S. So I think that's a, a great, you know, long-term partnership for them as well. Um, yeah, as that's we get a really into- good point because as I am learning, I am passing that on to the staff that we have over there. And it is interesting because that business seems to be right behind where my business here in the U.S. is. And I'm sure that's not a coincidence. Yeah. And I could just see that kind of one feeding the other, yeah. no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> You touched on some of the trends, obviously, you know, non-alcoholic. Um, we're seeing that in spirit as well. You're on the functional space. Can you – I love hearing trends. I know my listeners love hearing trends. What else is happening in the functional space? Yeah, I just got back from BevNet Live, which was in Santa Monica earlier this week. And you've got a little bit of news, I think, from that oh, too. Oh yes, don't I have you? great news. To re- Let's do a little plug. <laughs> okay. What ha- what happened out there? Yeah, day? well, BevNet Live was a two day conference, and every year they announce the best of twenty twenty two awards, which is, uh, I think, four or five categories, and we won in the best of packaging category, which is super exciting. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Shout out! Yeah. I mean, listen, when you can land a major award, yeah. you gotta. You got to pat yourself on the back. So it was for packaging. For sure. Packaging. Yeah, we went through a rebrand this year and apparently the judges love our new packaging. So as I do, our designers are incredible and we worked really well together this year. So it's been a labor of love and really happy with the new look and the new logo and the different sun rays we have on the cans, which really is a reflection. Yes, the sun. The sun, which is a reflection of joy and just celebration in everyday life and each can has a unique sun ray which represents the uniqueness in you and I um and I'm excited that that everyone clever yeah and then we have like six flavors now it just looks like a rainbow when you line up all the cans so it was a great event and I took some classes while I was there and we had some breakout sessions and amazing speakers and one of you know the trends that was being discussed was functional beverage, and there were some retails retailers and distributors that are talking about how they would like to see more call outs you know on packaging to speak to the function of what's inside and you know this is a it's an interesting um 
What's your take on that? Well, so it's I mean, challenging. Do you want to conf- it's yeah. challenging. Why is that? Why is that? Because we have to be really careful with the claims that we make on our packaging, for sure, and even in our marketing material and online, like in social media, because we don't want to promise anything to anyone in terms of like, the bioavailability of an ingredient. There are some brands that have really invested in science and research and testing, and maybe they're even working with FDA to be able to make claims on their label. But I would say the majority of the products out there that are making claims have not gone through that process. Oh, absolutely have not. And <laughs> they absolutely have not. Not only is it really risky for the the brand and the company, but it's it's really misleading to the consumer. Um, and even using words like there's even words on packaging on the front that you know some some brands might have uh, the word calm. Let's say I could use the word calm for my Tulsi chamomile, but that is even a slippery slope because that's me saying this is going to help you calm down, which I let you know in the beginning of the podcast that I expected it probably would because it does for me, but I'm not going to put that on the packaging unless we have you know some sort of pharmaceutical evidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I've had this conversation before on the podcast and it is a slippery slope there. Everyone seems to do it and you just kind of have to let the consumer do their research and, you know, look at the, look at the botanicals, look what's in there and frankly, just kind of enjoy it, you know, and just Mm -hmm. kind of see, see how it impacts you. Yeah. Um, We work with um, an FDA consultant here in North Carolina. She's amazing. Her name's Frida and we're part of the Gotta Be NC group. It's an association and she's really helpful. I mean, she's gone through my labels with a fine tooth comb and when we were doing the rebrand just to make sure there weren't any words on there that could catch us up because here's the thing is like smaller brands can get away with it but once you're big enough to make let's say uh, we start taking market share from some of the big CPGs like that's typically when um, packaging is pulled off the shelf for the reasons we just talked about it's typically because com- competitors actually um, report it. <laughs> so it's it's important to just, you know, definitely take those steps before going national, before scaling, making sure that, you know, we're really abiding by those labeling laws. Um, and even being careful about what we're seeing online. Um, and like you said, letting consumers kind of come to their own conclusion. I mean, tea is a superfood. Tea is, um, you know, green tea, white tea. I mean, even our silver tea has fat burning properties in it. Like I have this gadget, which I can, I can check my own metabolism after I drink my silver tea and it changes. Um, so I'm really, really interested in the future, maybe in doing some testing and incorporating some of the science. Um, but for now we're, we're just moving ahead, uh, without that. The Western medicine and what is acceptable is, um, quite far behind, if you will, a lot of the Eastern set, right? A lot of studies have been done overseas, but it doesn't necessarily count toward FDA or USDA approval here. Mm -hmm. I've had this conversation before about ashwagandha, where 
in other areas, it's very well known what people can expect from ashwagandha. But you come into the U.S. and you try to put it on your products, you could get slapped uh, with a fine or have to t- t- take it off the shelf. So I get it. It's definitely a slippery slope that you're that you're dealing in. So that was one of the things they wanted, right? They wanted to see more callouts. Any other trends that you um, noticed? I mean, there were trends in terms of sales, more of like inside trends and some insight that we got from distributors and um, retailers about what's most important to them, which was really helpful for us. Um, Just keeping in mind, you know, the number of new products that they're seeing every day and every week, and that's really not slowing down. Um, And just how how to really be sure we're developing products that are really going to benefit the stores and the customers it's not already out there um that may seem obvious but so often you know we're just speaking about product features um but whether we're talking to a retailer or an end user it's so important for us to consider like what is the real benefit to them not just what is the feature of our product and why is it different and why is it going to be you know the next billion dollar brand hundred percent. If you're into a retailer, you've got to show them the data. You have to show them how it brings consumers into the retail marketplace. You got to show them how it's like a basket builder, how it brings other products in. Um, there's a lot that the buyers want to see. They are definitely getting more sophisticated. So one of the other topics that you and I had kind of chatted about was as your company has grown and as you've really kind of expanded and you know again congratulations on on the bevnet win that's that's great and you do need to celebrate things like that but as you get more of that um that growth and that momentum behind you right your business goes through life cycles right and you started with a purpose so can you talk a little bit about how challenging that's been for you to kind of keep the focus with um, the different stages of your business? I wouldn't say it's been that difficult. I'd say it's the thing that really keeps me grounded every day. I think this is a difficult business and every business is. Um, Sometimes it feels like an uphill climb, but, you know, I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago and they reminded me that there's just going to be many, many summits along the way. And every summit we hit to kind of pause and celebrate. but for me, it's, it's, it's the purpose, the mission I'm on, um, and it's, it's seeing the impact that we're making in people's lives, whether it's, you know, here in the U.S. with people feeling like they have something to turn to now that helps them feel included in social settings, um, whether it's, you know, our partners in Rwanda or we're starting to source from other countries as well. Um, and I'll be heading back to Rwanda in a couple weeks now. And that's just going to be such a nourishing experience. It just fills me up and carries me. I mean, it's been three years now and normally I'm there every six months. So I know that'll fill me up as well. And, and I, oh, that's great that you can go back and see your partners yeah. and see the women again on the farm. Yeah, I'm also reminded of how that's really part of our differentiation is our story and the partnerships and the fact that we're building our own supply chain. Um, and, you know, it may take a little bit longer, but I do believe it's also helping to create more of a moat around our company and our brand. And we're also making a difference. So, um, yeah. I like that phrase. I like that phrase. That's a, 
<clears throat> that's something that uh, investors look at. That is what um, entrepreneurs want to build or to have as a as a solid moat around what they're what they're doing, so people can't easily come in and replicate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you know the other the other trend, I guess you would say from the show this week was this discussion around authenticity and. I don't really use that word much because it is just who we are and what we do. But I, but I think that's an important thing, you know, related to our purpose and why we're doing this. It's not just to create another drink that we can sell in stores, although we want to sell as much as we can um, and grow as big as we can and, you know, make as, as big of a social and economic impact as possible. Um, but we all have a story, like everyone involved in our organization and maybe, you know, maybe here on the planet has a history. Um, and you know, some people experienced extreme trauma and they are able to tap into the resilience, which, you know, and access resources, which helps them overcome that and makes them stronger. Um, while others maybe sadly don't, um, but this is a story of being able to overcome anything and everything, as long as we have community and we have resources and, um, people who, you know, inspire us and who we aspire to so that we can, uh, move through whatever we're going through and get to the other side and just not give up. Yeah, that's the key. Don't give up. As as you said, you know, you're going to have many peaks, and uh, with with peaks come valleys, <laughs> and so you just gotta keep going. What, talk to us a little bit about the um, distribution channels you're in. Where can people typically find you? Right. So we are based in Asheville, North Carolina, um, but our product is actually manufactured up in Vermont now. So, which is my home state. I'm excited about that and. Uh, we are in stores throughout New England, so Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, and we are throughout the Southeast and down into Florida. And we just opened up a uh, distribution in the Pacific Northwest as well as Northern California. So over the winter, you're going to start to see some natural independent stores carrying us there. We're also heading into food service. So uh, we have Cirilla on tap, which is a draft product oh. as well as cans in bars, breweries, restaurants. Um, we're also working with some college campuses. So if you're looking for Cirilla and you don't see it in your store or your local bar or hangout or college campus, you can send us a message and we can make that request and check into our current distribution centers and see if that's something we can help you out with. Because, you know, we always love to present to retailers where there's already a demand there. Of course, that's better for them to know that we've already got a captive audience who's looking for their product. Yeah, exactly. When you can show them people are hitting that store locator, that's like good little indicator like, hey, we need to get this thing. Yeah, the store locator. And we also work with a company called WeStock. And um, if you send a request for a store on our website, it goes to the WeStock form and then they collect data. um, And then we can see like which stores are most in demand for us to get our products into. I have to say... um, the products do taste great, and they're, they, they are light, which is what I like about it. You don't feel, um, well, bloated. You know, yeah. when you're drinking a 100 and, 140 cal or more drink, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you you feel it. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've 
I've drunk two of these. <laughs> <laughs> it's chuggable, you mean, Tony? Because we really want I'm, it to be chuggable. <laughs> chuggable. Well, you know, listen, I can't, I have to stay awake, right? Oh, I'm already kind of getting, <laughs> it's done. I've already hit it. You know, that's why I'm like, you know, I'm trying to find a tack to step on to uh, keep keep the energy You're through my have legs. To back that up with the ginger, <laughs> yeah. Bring on. Oh, well, I've already. We already drank that one. Okay. That's gone. Okay. I told. I mean, by the way, great little sample pack. It was a lot okay. of fun to um, a lot of fun to get that. Um, and I didn't really. Yeah, sorry, I should have mentioned. Also, we're we're selling on Amazon now, and um, okay, so your nationwide DTC, Amazon and on our website. You have the option of buying a, a six pack, which is one of each flavor. And that's just a that. great starter pack for people who want to try it. And uh, we have free shipping happening right now. Oh, yeah. that's good. Well, that's uh, – well, and I was going to say too, I, I do uh, – the packaging is very cool. I didn't notice all the sunbeams were different. Mm -hmm. But the um, kudos to your packaging because – You've got a very small QR code and I was practicing and it, it works great. <laughs> it, I mean, it's really small and I'm like, oh, and it's rounded a little bit, but it works great. Yeah. And uh, so I know you've got a lot of options that you can use with that, uh, with that effective QR code. Yeah, there's sky's the limit with that. I mean, we want to do more interactive like videos that you can tap into from that QR where you're linking up with our partners in Rwanda too and kind of seeing our work on the ground. This trip that I'm taking in January, I'll be leading a, a small group, which I, I try to always bring guests with us. So people can, you know, pay to participate in a 10 day trip and meet our farm, our farmer partners and producer partners and, and just see the country. We really see a good amount of the country and do some touristy things too, like the gorilla track in the jungle and the game drive. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I don't think I have enough vacation to do that with you. <laughs> Otherwise I would, I, I'd chaperone. Chaperone. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time. I think this will be number 11 or 12 trips since I've taken with guests since I lived there. You have to get those videos. I mean, I, to be honest, I, I've seen your website and it, it's very cool. I mean, the colors, I mean, just bam, it hits you with, with that, the, the great products. But uh, I was kind of hoping, you know, I would immediately see that. So I think that'll be fun okay. to see how you can. Uh, that's just me. I think it'd be fun to see what's happening on the farm. I mm -hmm. feel like that's that is different. You know, that's yeah. not what not you can't like you say, it's a moat. You know, you might as well em emphasize it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, this has been great, Sarah. I feel like there's so much more that we could talk about. But I think what we'll do is we'll um, we'll wait till you're, you come back from your trip. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what's happening uh, maybe in the world of regenerative farming and um, kind of the what's going to be on tap for you guys for 2023. Sounds good. Thanks, Tony. This was fun. And I hope what? you uh, have some energy for the rest of your day. I, I better. <laughs> I better. We're during – this is the World Cup season, you That's know, right. so you got to keep you got to keep one eye, <laughs> one eye to the <laughs> – Exactly. You got to keep one eye to the TV to see what's going on. Do you have any holiday um, parties this weekend? Uh, actually, we don't. With us moving kind of to North Carolina, I think all of our friends just kind of think we're, I don't know, AWOL. So we spend every uh, waking uh, hour on the weekends looking for homes and mm -hmm. going all through North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I, because I want to farm. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for acreage. I want to farm. I want to experiment with everything I'm hearing about. 
my wife wants to start beekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, there's just so much and we just, you got to find the right piece of land to do Are it. you going to have a regenerative organic certified farm though, Tony? Uh, baby steps. <laughs> Baby steps, but I listen. I know the people to go to talk to. That's, that's right. for sure. I'll have you listen. You're not that far from me. I'll have you come out and uh, All right. show me the tips. Well, we have a realtor in the family, so if you need anyone to show you houses in my neck of the woods, let me know. Oh my gosh, we love that area. We we have been looking at Hendersonville, okay, which is not that far uh, from from you, Sarah. This has been great. Uh, the product tastes great. I'm thrilled that you've got your. Um, you know, kind of your award. I think that is important. Um, I saw you on LinkedIn running around, swapping out all your old packaging. You've got the, you still got the hustle. I like that. Oh uh, yeah, I know people, I got some messages after that. They were like, I feel so bad. You shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, no, no, no. I mean, this is actually where it's at because I don't ever want to get too far away from that, you know, the customer or store level. And it's so important that I'm, you know, checking on stores as well. So it's definitely going to take some more time. Um, and I could use all the help I can get, but, um, it's, it's always fun, you know, to meet the store staff and managers and, and just, you know, visit the different towns that we're selling in that I'm not as familiar with. Exactly. It's called, uh, taking the show on the road. (laughs) Well, you, so when do you go to, um, uh, Rwanda. When, when's that? Uh, second, uh, yeah, I'll be gone for most of January. Okay, great. Well, we're looking forward to see what good comes out of that. Sarah, thank you so much for coming down here today on on the Winning at Work podcast. Thanks, Tony. I hope you enjoy the weekend. I appreciate your time oh, today. Thank you so much. All right. See ya.